From the number five team in America to bounced before the first weekend was over. This is Locked On Baylor. You are Locked On Baylor, your daily podcast on the Baylor Bears. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Daily Bears, thank you for making Locked On Baylor your first listen every single day. Do I have bad Wi-Fi? I lost you, but now you're back. All right. I've got bad Wi-Fi. That's Brandon McKinnon. I'm from Sports Illustrated. It's our Daily Bears. That's guys from Sports Illustrated. It's inside the Bears. Whatever. You know the names. Brandon, number five preseason. I, 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 here's what I did. Moments before this show, I Googled it. What was Baylor basketball's preseason ranking 2023? It said number five. And yeah. I, a little part of my soul, a little, a little hole in my heart grew. When we talk about whether or not this season was a success compared to the preseason start, the answer is objectively no. But if we start to unpack it, what do you think? So, I mean, you're wearing a, an appropriate hoodie, right? You're wearing a Tar Heels hoodie, which was the number one team preseason, and they didn't even make the tournament. So, you know, I guess I'm trying to find silver linings, and now we're just a UNC slander podcast. Um I mean, obviously, like, I think people are going to say it's a disappointment. I think perception going into the season was much different than reality once the season played out, which is like stuff you and I have talked about, right? Like, one of the first pods we did preseason, we went up and down the roster and we were like, dude, we're nine deep. Like, we're 10 deep. You know what I'm saying? And I think it quickly, I mean, I'm just looking at the stats, the drop off from Flagler, George Cryer, and Bridges to, other names on the rosters is tough, right? So I don't know, man. I, I'm still sad. I'm still, you know, bummed, still a little disappointed. But at the end of the day, like only 16 teams go to the second week into the tournament. And if you told me that on a neutral court, Baylor loses to a top 16 team, I'm like, okay, but it still sucks. It's not fun. It's not fun. Yeah. Second second year in a row this has happened. Um that's what, the bigger concern to me. What makes this worse for me is the idea that Baylor would have played Princeton. Yeah. That like the avenue for Baylor to win, you know, Kansas was already bounced, Iowa State was already bounced, Marquette was already bounced. There are teams that Purdue. Baylor has lost to. Purdue has already bounced, that Baylor has lost to or could have very well lost to that have been mm-hmm. that were already gone from this tournament. Like they God himself came down and said, my Baylor Bears, if you do me the favor of winning this game against said Blue Jays, I will let you walk into the Elite Eight where you will face a team that has murderers and I will bestow righteousness upon them. He and- did open. He did part the Red Sea like Moses for us. He really did. The path, the path was clear. Creighton, and I mean, like we talked about this on the bracket show with Cam, like Creighton was the worst possible matchup for us, though in that like in our region um i think we all felt fine about arizona like they're big scare you but their guard play was buns and so we we're like okay that's fine we can probably beat arizona alabama is a tough matchup but creighton was that team we're like this is a team we're gonna have to go through so it was tough it was just a bad matchup dude yeah i i agree they're at the same time, of the six seeds that existed or teams around that range, I think there are a lot of teams that Baylor probably loses to. Why? why? Brandon, yeah. why? We have talked about how matchups, yeah, this team could run into the, the wrong team and lose, but look at the Big 12 teams like Kansas, who they ran through at home. 
the Big 12 teams like TCU, who they went and beat on the road, uh, they, they beat Texas handedly at home, mm-hmm. a team that's now in the Sweet 16. You're looking at these schools and going, oh, shoot. Baylor won all these games. Why, number one, do you drop this game in March Madness? Where it's like, oh, shoot. Baylor should be on paper. You should be the better team. Number yeah. two, number two, we knew. It wasn't like, a, oh, what a big upset. Who who knew this was coming? Baylor was an underdog at the time of tip-off. Mm-hmm. Why? What happened? Why did the trajectory this season just go down at the end of the year? Like, I don't feel like a pessimist for asking that. It actually just did. Yeah, and you're not – I don't think you're being pessimistic for asking. I think it's a fair – it's a fair question. And, like, quite frankly, the, the guys that – sit on the sideline, coaches, GAs, players, obviously know way more about basketball than we do, right? So, like, yeah. that is a fact. Um, but, like, from our point of view, I think it's the stuff we were talking about. It's like, okay, did we have the personnel to play the switch-everything defense that Scott Drew wants to? Maybe not. Then are we trying to fit a square peg in the round hole and, like, try and learn how to play zone on the fly? Not that it wasn't ever practiced, but is that now happening? Maybe. Where there are a ton of injuries throughout the season where guys were missing intermittent time, nothing crazy like last year where Cryer broke literally both of his feet and missed the entire year. But like Langston's hamstring and ankle, and then the Dale Bonner leaving the rotation, and then Langston's eye, and then, you know, Keontae's ankle, and John coming back after this season, which is a great story, but it's there's was consistent lineup shuffling that made different schemes tough. And so I think it was just a season marked by inconsistency, really, really like incredibly high highs and incredibly low lows. And ultimately, I think that's the, what the team was. So I don't I mean, I, I don't think that the outlook changes from a program perspective, but this season definitely was a bummer. And I don't know how much of it is like, do we still have this? quasi hangover from the national championship team to where we see yeah. names like flagler crier chamochachu of thamba you know we see these names that were tied to that success and we have the same expectation i almost am thinking it's a good thing that some of these guys are going and we have a fresh slate and it's almost like a new a new reshuffling of the deck for the program that's my perspective 48 hours removed from me yelling at a tv in an irish sports bar in austin texas ah you know I'm not going to do it. We are not going to have the elongated conversation about Jerome Tang and what you lost. I'm going to be very blunt in saying losing Jerome Tang hurt this team. Oh, you're the facts. person you're the person listening out there is like, "No, you can't put it on that." You're No, it's an ignorant take. You like, can't see what's going on in Manhattan and be like, we're f- that didn't have an impact. Yeah, it 100% does. Like 20 years of Jerome Tang's intensity has gone out yeah. the door, and you're like, oh, yeah, no, it's got Drew. He'll recover. I-, I agree, but you also can't just completely overlook the fact that Jerome Tang leaving this program left a big hole in this program. That is objective. I'm not going to put this year's – I think I think it was Colt Barber made a great point that Jerome Tang was on staff last year in Baylor lost in round two. I'm not going to put this yeah. on Jerome Tang being gone from the program, but now look at what he's done in Kansas State, bringing those guys into the, from the transfer portal and turning that Kansas State team into a Sweet 16 team, and you go, okay, there are factors like that. I would call it an internal factor like that, and Keontae's bad play of late where I don't know if it's mono, I don't know if it's him being hurt. Like yeah. there, there are so many things that – I, I just, I don't get, and I'm glad you brought up the word consistency. Nothing was consistent about this year. There was never a game where you thought, okay, this is a guaranteed Baylor win. And coming down to the last, like, if you parlay the last four games together and watch them and go, oh, shoot, that was really bad basketball. I just, 
I can't help but wonder why. A, such an established coach, such an established team, I don't think these are very unfair questions to ask while still saying, I really want Baylor to win. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like you said, you parlay the last four games together and you're like, okay, what, like, the, watching this, it makes sense that we lose in the round of 32. Yeah. But then if you parlay any of those four games together where we won 10 of 11, you're like, this team could win a national championship. I mean, yeah. we started having that dialogue. And so I do think it's just the, the ups and downs. And man, I just, I think, I mean, it's fair to ask these questions, but it's just tough, man. I mean, if you like, so I like brought up the consistency piece and anytime you have a top guy miss any stretch of games, one, two, whatever it is, it has an impact. I think, especially in conference play and late in the season, just from a rotation tightness and like really playing together standpoint. Um, and the only two guys that you had that played every game for you were Flo and Jalen. Everybody else missed time. Even if it's only four games, everybody else missed time. But that's hard because then it's like, okay, we're learning things. We're watching film. We're breaking down film. Oh, why do we do this? Oh, our starters not in. Oh, our yeah. rotation guys not in. We're now thin, and so it's just tough, bro. It's tough, and I think the questions are fair. I don't know if it's a coaching scheme thing. Do we now look and say, hey, we can't play this three guard lineup and switch everything and rely on this because Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, mm -hmm. Macy Oteague, the guys that we fell in love with this rotation in this lineup with aren't walking through the door. Not to take anything away from the guys who are on the roster, but is it a schematic change? I mean, these are all the questions people are going to ask all off season. Um, so, yeah, it's just tough. Brendan, one thing that I'm not questioning is FanDuel. FanDuel is the place to go right now. It's your sports betting app. It's the sports betting app, the number one sports betting app in America. You can do a no-sweat first bet new customers. If you're a first-time FanDuel customer, you download that app. It's free. It's easy. You trust me. You trust me on this one right here, right now. FanDuel Sportsbook. It's safe. It's secure. It's 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 everything you want in a sports book because right now you can go put a thousand dollars on kansas state to win against michigan state it's a no sweat first bet if it doesn't hit you get all your money back in free play a thousand dollars of free play if it does hit you get a thousand dollars congratulations right now you can bet on everything from money lines to point scores threes drained you can include uh, all kinds of spreads money lines totals player points rebounds do a two by three it's two po three pointers in the first three minutes FanDuel even lets you combine for your Bet, combine your bets in parlays for the best chance to win big money. No sweat first bet, up to $1,000 in bonus bets back at fanduel.com forward slash locked on. Fanduel.com forward slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with Fanduel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA and me and everything else. Brandon, going into next season, I've seen a lot of people. It was weird. It was a really weird Twitter dialogue. I want to first come out and say, are you, you about know what? To, are you about to just unroll your mentions? Is this what's about to happen? I am actually. I wasn't going to, and I am because I, I do enjoy the occasional like clicking on your tweet when I see there's five replies or whatever. Not even to say everyone go follow Drake or to boost the platform at all. I'm just saying it is enjoyable to read through your replies. Like it's objectively funny. Like let's let's be honest with ourselves here. Number like, one, I have a good time. I don't make any more money. When, depending on how many people click on a tweet, like when I tweeted out that Langston Love was expected to not return this season, by the way, he effectively didn't. The source that was within the program that fed me that information was correct. Langston tried to go, gave it three minutes on the floor, was taken out and not seen again because he couldn't go. He wasn't expected to play and he didn't. That source. Yeah, and, I, and I also, I don't think we have the same source, but I also 
heard the same thing. I just didn't tweet it. <laughs> right. So I don't care. Well, I mean, I told my, I texted my buddies and I was like, yo, I think like I'm hearing Langston's done. So it's just, uh, yeah, these people that, you know, and Scott Drew came out and said day to day, you were right. You mentioned this too. LJ Cryer was day to day all last season. Yeah. And he played four minute or 14 minutes in that tech game in Lubbock. And then he was never seen again. And they it. said that that was what ultimately led to the second foot surgery or potential, potentially, right? Yeah. Like no one really knows, but he gave it a go, made it worse. It hurt. And then that's it. But sorry, continue with your point. Go. You're fine. So to those people who were like, oh, I've seen on a reputable, you know, I have reputable sources. All of yours were wrong. I will stand by the person who told me that, who, by the way, that guy told me he was like, man, I'm sick for you that all these people like I'm, I'm telling you what I know out of the program. Like, I'm sorry you're getting run because this is just the truth about Langston. Yeah. Um, so I, I stand by what I tweeted out and my source who was very trusted and those people who came after me. OK, like I can handle that. I can deal with that. That's fine. It's part of this job. But now, like, yes, Langston Love did not play. Moreover, the the amount of people that you know, upset at my, at like the pessimism and everything and, and all of that. Like I, I brothers, I don't get paid an extra dime for clicks on a tweet. I don't get paid an extra dime for followers. I guess what I, it doesn't do in my life. What does it do? Pretty much nothing really. Like I'm a college kid. I go to parties on the weekends. Sometimes occasionally I'll go to a bar. I eat cheese sticks at crickets. What does this like on a tweet mean? I, ah, not a lot, my friends, but I've seen a lot on Twitter of people. This was gaining a lot of traction amongst the Twitter sphere asking about. Also, when I tweet, Baylor should probably going to lose to Creighton. Guess what? They did because that's just the reality of things. Doesn't mean I hate Baylor. All right, I'm done. I saw a lot which of which I do think. And we sorry, I'm going to interrupt you one more time. I like that. You like do. the? You ever see the yeah. Obama anger translator Key and Peel sketch? Yeah, that's what I this have. feels like. Also, the interruption thing is just like part of my upbringing it's like if you have something to say you just say it this you know? is what we do it's just like yeah, what, we've what new england is um shit i lost my train of thought shoot excuse me um oh yes so something that i think we should talk about at some point or another it doesn't need to be today is i feel like and i'm not trying to bash baylor nation because i am a baylor sports fan all of the content i put out for our daily bears this year was interviewing baylor men's basketball players and like coaches and telling their stories from a positive perspective to shine light on the men in the program right that being said I think that there is a benefit to being a realistic sports fan. And I think Baylor nation can sometimes be to sunshine and rainbows. Like if something stinks, say it stinks. People were surely saying that Blake Shapin stunk last year all over Twitter. I don't know why there's like a difference with the basketball program. If it's oh, but the Natty second I cute, say yeah. that yeah. Baylor's not playing very well right now. Yeah. I but I mean, know. you can tweet like we need a new quarterback and everyone loves it. But for I mean, I think I think it has a lot to do with like Scott Drew, the national championship run like that all plays a factor. But I think that there is a lot of space, especially on Twitter, which is a cesspool. Like Twitter's dumb. Twitter's a cesspool. It's horrific. But I mean, people just get mad. It is what it is. But what, what were you about to say? You know, I'm going to bring this up. Dude, we're down a rabbit hole that I, I don't want to let go of. This is I'm enter, I'm entertained by this conversation. Yeah. I tweeted the other day. Oh, it made me so like I just felt weird. I don't know. I just felt weird. I tweeted something that was like, you know, it's cause I said the NILs created a lot of parody in college sports, and someone was like, prove True. it. It's like, what? What do you mean prove it? College basketball, the women's side and the men's side, more parody than ever on both just of them. Watch college sports. Like what? Yeah. And so then I said, Yeah, because in NIL, you could be a bench player at Texas or you could go start at Louisiana Tech and get $10,000 in a fried chicken NIL deal. Someone DMs me. It's like, hey, 
Gonna need you to watch it with those fried chicken references. What? It's just a fact. What? They're like, yeah, man, you crossed a line there. Uh, I don't even know what they, like, I, I don't want to, I don't even know if I want to understand what they're trying to reference, but like, what? What are we doing? The Twitter app, the bird app is terrible. It's an awful it's, space. It's horrific. I mean, yeah. It's like, a, yo, it's watch it with that, the fried chicken references. That could be offensive. Like, I'm, The I'm best thing with- I've found on Twitter in the last three years is, and I actually recently deleted the Twitter app from my phone. After the season, I was like, I'm done. This is dumb. So I check it on the browser and stuff. But the best account I've found on Twitter is, have you stumbled across Mr. Go 30? Uh, no. He does like film breakdowns as like as if he is a coach on the team and just roasts people on the team and it's hilarious and it's a good good clean twitter fun but like this the dming and the cesspool is just un- irrelevant and it's rampant in every college Look, and, I, and i get it if my mom read the dms that i get on twitter she would probably flip and and make sure i delete them 22 she would still find a way to delete the app on my phone i have gotten the ones that are like i will find you and i will kill you I'm like all right i can handle that but Are the ones really? are like, oh, 100%. I've got multiple, like... Dude, you run a local college podcast. What are we I don't doing? know. What I'm also 22. People are like, I'll f- I will destroy what your are, life. What are we doing? All right, sweet. I can deal with those. It's the ones that are like, never reference fried chicken again. This is offensive. What are you? What are we doing right now? Yeah. Twitter app. Um, I, so, I, I still haven't gotten to the point of what the entire segment <laughs> was going to be. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. But I, yes, I'm fending off people from Twitter because, gosh, we just take it so seriously. People and the ones that are like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm good, I'm done, I'm done. Um, people are talking about Baylor men's basketball next season, and I love that some of the tweets were like, Baylor's gonna suck, and then the next tweet would be like, Yeah, Baylor's gonna win a national title next season. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, feel like that's all no, sports fans. No Baylor fans could agree on whether or not Baylor men's basketball is going to be good next year. Brandon, give me your legitimate. Like, I don't want to put this. I'm not going to name any specific names, but obviously, two or three guys are probably going to enter the portal. Um, I would assume two guys. This is a prediction. I don't know anything. My inside sources who were correct have not told me because I haven't asked, nor will I. But I assume two guys who logged minutes this season will end up entering the portal and at least testing the waters because that's the nature of college basketball today. How do you view this roster as it is, Brandon, coming into next season? And do you see dramatic changes such as that? Yeah, so I'm not trying to plug the website that I write for, but it just Please so do. happens that yesterday, um, Michael Nichols and Jed Johnston, two Our Daily Bears men's basketball um, contributors, put out an awesome article with both of their thoughts and opinions on what do we know for sure, what can we realistically draw a conclusion on, and what is an unlikely outcome from this men's basketball roster. Just as kind of a palate cleanser to move on from us getting uh, beat by Creighton. Also, in that Creighton game, I'm sorry, I'm going to regress. Dude, the shot quality outcome had me legitimately sick. Did you see that? Uh, yes, we were um, supposed to win the game. We were supposed to win by 12 based on shot quality and like if just averages played out. Anyway, um, so back to your question. I and I would for real, bro, if you have time or whoever's listening to this, check out that article on our daily bears because it's I think it's nuanced and I think both Jed and Michael did a good job. I didn't contribute because I would have not have been able to be nuanced with it. I would have been like, I hope he goes, I hope he stays, <sighs> and would have planted my flag on takes. Um, which is what I'm gonna do right now. So I agree with you. I think that there are four guys on the roster right now that are going to transfer two of which did not play big minutes, but were went through senior day. And if they want a chance to play, it's not Baylor. Yeah. And 
I think like I know nothing. I've not heard any of this, but if we're going to, I mean, I'll just say, it. I think that Jordan Turner and Zach Loveday, it makes sense for them to enter the transfer portal. Honestly, I agree. Yeah. Like it just does. It, they were here. They were great contributors, worked hard every day at practice, national champions. It makes sense for them to go play minutes somewhere and transfer. It just does. Is that Moffitt? It's, it's the same as yeah. Jackson Moffitt. It makes total sense. So those are two. There's also two other guys that, um, one that did go through senior day and one that did not, that I also would not be surprised that they transferred that also played big minutes for us. And I'm not going to name those names, <laughs> but I mean, but I think, it's easy to put together. Hopefully yeah. people can draw these conclusions. Yeah. I think that, and again, I totally un would understand that as well. It's no hard feelings. It's what the college, like, I love the saying, they're just kids. I love it. I say it all the time. They're just ever flow. Yeah. However, college basketball, all college athletics are a business now with NIL. It is yeah. true. It is a business. And so for these two guys enter the portal, that makes sense. You want to know what happens on the other side of that coin? There are other guys that are at mid-majors or lower tier schools, you know, within the high major realm that are also entering the portal looking to come and fill a role at a Baylor University level school. So those like I'm not saying that it's going to be exactly the same. We hold on to the relationships and like the care for these players that we've seen them play, but people are going to portal out. People are going to portal in. How quickly do people fall in love with Jalen Bridges this year? How shook up Rui and Matthew Meyer left? Like that's just facts. We're going to see more of it this summer. And then I think that, you know, the transfer is where it gets messy, but then I think we can talk about draft versus comeback. There are guys that have eligibility that could come back. Adam Flagler could come back. Does it make sense? Probably not. I think he should go to the draft because he's older and he's probably never going to have a higher ceiling and yeah. NBA teams draft young guys or G League, Europe, whatever. You know, Jonathan Chamochachua could come back. I think he will come back. But there's also been, I mean, Michael and Jed gave a point. Does he retire? Does he want to keep playing? Like what, what happens? You know, there's so much questions around the team. But one thing we know for sure is that Miro Little and Jacoby Waltz are coming in. Those are some whoop, whoop. dudes, straight up dudes. Good. So Jalen Bridges could go to drive. I mean, you can go on and on. There's there's not a lot of firm guys where I'm like, they will for sure be back outside of maybe Caleb Lohner, Josh Ojanwuna, and Langston Love. Yeah. And how firm is that really? You know, it's yeah. hard to say. Uh, we'll we'll ran, talk about But I hope I was able to answer No, that, that was actually really good. That's what I wanted, especially coming off of my ramble. Um, yeah. Speaking of ramble, you and I, hey, uh, I'm Drake Tolfin, Sports Illustrated Inside the Bears. That's Brandon McKinnon from our Daily Bears. Short show today. We're going to have all those conversations. That that last part was really good there from Brandon. I'm, I don't want to, I, I want to hear more about it. So we're going to, we're going to do more shows for the next four months. Oh, yeah. Four months without basketball or football. Uh, this has been Always Will Be. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Yeah, bro. Thanks for having me. Locked on. Thanks for making your first listen every single day and being nice to me on Twitter. Baylor. Or not. <laughs>